Dave! Oh, yeah, well, sorry. Sorry, a bit tired. Oh, have you just tired. woken up from an incredibly good night's sleep on a natural mat mattress? Uh, I haven't. I've been doing this blinking podcast with you, but that's exactly the sort of thing I should like to have just been woken up off of, because natural mat oh, are an organic mattress and bed brand based in Devon. It's been going for over 20 years now with sustainability at the heart of the business and they've done things like won the Queen's Award for Sustainable Development a couple of years ago. Oh, Superb. How about that? Superb, yeah. Uh, so they say the majority of the raw materials they use come from natural, renewable sources and they use organic, certified organic lamb's wool which is sourced directly from farmers in the southwest of the UK. So how about that in your mattress? One of the things they're doing is a mattress for life initiative. You will like this, Ol. It is a circular mattress service. Hang on, that's what Peter Stringfellow... No, silly, not circular in that way. It's like you buy a mattress from Natural Mat, and when you're done with it, when it's reached the end of its springiness, I'm sure we all know what that means, (laughs) um, you can get them to take it away, and if they can repair it, they'll repair it. If not, they'll give you a new one and recycle the old one. So that's pretty cool. Now, if you want to buy one of these lovely Natural Mat mattresses, or indeed beds, toppers or bedding, uh, you can get 15% off by virtue of being a Babbel listener. Go to naturalmat.co.uk and enter the code BABBLE15 at checkout, B-A-B-B-L-E-1-5, and you'll get your 15% off. This also applies in-store, uh, and you can go to their showrooms either in Topsham in Devon uh, or in Chiswick in West London, and you get the same 15% off. to Sustainable Apple 250. Bloody hell, that's rather snuck up on us, is it not? Oh, ye gods. We've done a quarter of a thousand babbles. <laughs> Bloody hell. Do you remember when we got to 100 and we thought we should be knighted in the New Year's Honours for our perseverance? <laughs> we've, just, we've just trudged on. Trudging is the word. We have trudged yes. here. Yes. We are Sustainable We are your friendly little weekly environment podcast. Ain't we all? Yes. All about people and the planet. And why? Just because you can't see what's in front of your face doesn't mean you can't have a chuckle about what's up your nose. Yes? <laughs> yes. Right, and what are we going to be spending our 250th babble babbling thereupon? Dazzling, dazzling light. Uh, light pollution. From your bottom. Not from my bottom. Or indeed from my soul or my heart or the insights oh, of my um, wisdom-filled mind. Uh, no, we're talking about the light that kills things. Light that is yeah. everywhere in our cities and, in fact, in our rural areas, kind of everywhere, and how bad that is for other things on this planet and, indeed, to an extent, for us. Yes, that's right, all. and without any more buggering about, I suggest we get on with it. Before we do, just the usual disclaimer, we do work for environmental charities, don't we, all? Yes. Still, somehow, by the love of God... Somehow. I don't know what's more impressive that we've done 250 babbles or that we're still employed. <laughs> but these are very much our own views. So if anything that we say makes you want to cover your eyes, please take it up with me and Ol, but not with anyone for whom we work, yes? Yes, indeed. If you are incandescent with rage. Oh, uh, oh that's better. Please, that's better. please just take it up with us, not for the pe- with the people for whom we work. 
And you know how you can express your love and gratitude for the babble reaching 250 not out? Oh, how's that, Dave? Open your bloody wallet, you bastards. <laughs> so you can support us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash sustainababble, like so many people do, but not enough. And we could always do with some more, just to really understand how much you love us. Aren't you, you glad, us? Dave, that we decided not to let people pay us in Bitcoin? Uh, I don't know. Should I be glad about that? Is it is the arse fallen out of Bitcoin? The arse has fallen out of Bitcoin and crypto and stuff. All those people, all those footballers merrily promoting NFTs and crypto and stuff have all gone awful quiet now that awful it's not quiet. worth anything. Well, that's not quite true, but it's it's worth a lot less than it was. But anyway. We said it's the babble what won it. We said NFTs were cack. We said Bitcoin was confusing and that's what everyone else thinks. So now you're going to learn about light pollution and I strongly suggest you invest in whatever we tell you to do at the end of this episode. Yes? <laughs> okay, on with it. On with it. Reasons to be cheerful. I can't get no sleep. Right, reasons to be cheerful. We've done it again. We are full of cheer at the moment. Uh, this is mm. second or possibly third babble in a row where we've been cheerful. And we're cheerful because you can see the stars. The, the, the clouds are parting. The sky is nice and dark. The stars are there. It's like being in the Stone Age. Everything's fine. Is it? Well... If you believe a press release that we got sent by an environment group, then yes. <laughs> yes, it is fine. This, yes, this was a press release that ended up upon the Babel's electronic doorstep, somehow managed to make its way through the unceasing slurry of shit that we get sent <laughs> by companies trying to get us to advertise them for free. Now, I fell for that two episodes ago, and I'm not falling for it again. What was the so, one recently where they wrote, to completely the wrong name or the wrong... Is that the wrong podcast or the wrong people? Both, I think. Dear Steve, <laughs> uh, massive fan of Mothers in Arms. <laughs> okay, one last time. These are small, but the ones out there are far away. <laughs> Right, yes, so this is from the organisation known as CPRE, formerly known as the... Country. No, Campaign to Protect Rural England. Also, you've got to be careful where you stop saying that, haven't you? You have got, yeah, you should have continued that word. <laughs> Even if it was the wrong word, you should have continued it. Uh, yes, I didn't know that the Campaign to Protect Rural England are no longer called the Campaign to Protect Rural England, and I imagine mm. they really don't want people calling them the Campaign to Protect Rural England anymore. So no. I shan't call them the Campaign to Protect Rural England anymore. I should call the Campaign to Protect Rural England <laughs> CPRE, the Countryside Charity. Very good. So what have the campaign to protect rural England been up to? Right? <laughs> not, they're not campaigning. <laughs> oh, what are they doing? Look, they said a very good thing. They have been talking about uh, light. Good thing, right? What? D disclaimer, disclaimer. Good thing. Oh, yes. Sorry, yes. we should be clear. This isn't We're being snippy about because like that's what we do. Be a, we, be yeah. a yeah. couple of bastards about the CPRE and say they're bastards. We're not doing that. It's a good thing. They said the thing basically saying... It is actually getting slightly darker at night, which sounds like a sort of the sort of thing a very high seventeen-year-old would say, um, in a, as a way of impressing his friends. But uh, no, they are saying that the 
basically during lockdown, because less stuff going on, uh, particularly less offices being illuminated and stuff, there was a drop in light pollution and people could see more stars. And they are claiming that that hasn't completely disappeared, that reduction, now that lockdown is unlocked up. Yes. Now, we will go on to talk about light pollution and what it is and all that sort of stuff. But this is an interesting thing. So, I mean, it's it's not with the best will in the world, science, <laughs> this, um, no, what they've done. No, it's, it's, not, it's a thing it's called... Not, it's many things. It's not It's not. It's science. not science. And that's fine. It's a thing called citizen science. And whenever you see that, what it basically means is fundraising is basically <laughs> what it is. Um, where what you do is you get, you get loads of your supporters to... Um, do something in a fairly unscientific way, but you kind of collate the thing they've done and you say, there we are, according to our fairly unscientific method of engaging people, here's a new story. And also then you've got more engaged people. That, that's, what about, done, that's about uh, 18 months of my professional life you're slugging off there. That's precisely what I did for quite a long time in a former job. Is it science? It was citizen science, yeah. Look, interesting thing, right? They pointed loads of people's heads, not literally, sort of, you know, they asked them to go and have a look. They didn't line up 3,000 people and point their heads the same way you would make a cat try and look at its reflection in a the mirror. They said, oh, look at oh, Orion. Oh, um, oh what? Ba- <laughs> Baby on number one, who is now at school, has got a best mate who is a compulsive liar. And um, one of my, he comes back <laughs> and, he, and he says, he tells me things that his best mate has told him. And they are always fibs. My favourite is that wolves can't look up. (laughs) I won't say. How do you know that's a fib? Well, I'd imagine that wolves can look up. Ah, but you don't know. I've seen them howling. They look a lot like they're looking up when they're howling. Oh, yeah, and they look up when they're doing that. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, anyway, good. Well, who can look up? Uh, CPRE supporters. And they look at Orion, the constellation thing stars in the sky and they say how many of them stars in orion can you see with your naked eye then and they measure that and they've been doing it for a few years it's called the star count and they did it i think first of all i don't know it must be doing it for a while because they're now able to go like they can you can see more stars so the number of people sorry more accurately the number of people who can see 10 stars has fewer, gone fewer than 10 up fewer than 10 has gone down. That's right. Yes, the number of people that can saying. see fewer than 10 stars has gone down. Although the number of people that can see more than 30 stars has gone down as well. What am I saying? Mm. What's happened? Yes, that, that last bit, I think CPRE gloss over and we should probably gloss over because what they really want to focus on is that first bit, which is essentially saying the number of people who have got really bad light pollution, i.e. you can't see even 10 stars, that number has gone down. And so CPRE According is to saying... their robust science. Yeah, yeah CPRE is saying, uh, that's good. That shows that light pollution isn't as bad as it was. Fine. Um, Fine. Good. Fine. So we're going to gloss good. over the bit where they say the people who can see loads of stars has also gone down a bit because that doesn't really fit the narrative. So we'll, we'll just right. gloss over that. And the percentages involved are quite small and, and definitely not statistically valid, even if they were scientifically valid. But the point is, anyway, it has got some coverage. The Guardian did a piece about this. It's got some coverage about light pollution. It's a very important point to be making because light pollution does my nuts. So fair play to them for doing it. That's enough of a kicking of citizen science, all unless you would like to admit to anything specifically that you called science, which wasn't. Uh, no, there's nothing else I want to say. Uh, I just, well, just picking up on a thing you said about this thing, the point of it 
is to raise awareness about light pollution. The point of yes. it isn't to make a big scientific contribution no. to the literature. And right. we are talking about it, and The Guardian was writing about it. So they have done their job, which is get people talking about light pollution. Well, the party who had an opinion poll done, it seems all the voters are in favour of bringing back national service. Well, I have another opinion poll done showing the voters are against bringing back national service. <laughs> also, Ol, did you enjoy World Migratory Bird Day? Do, uh, you just remind me... Sorry, which day that was again? Oh, well, you remember. I mean, we all had the day no. off, didn't we? Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Four, 14th of May was one of, one of two annual World Migratory Bird Days. Of course, they have, because mo- oh, they, birds migrate they out back. and they come back, don't yeah. they? World Migratory Bird Day is designed to raise awareness of light pollution too and how it is nausing migrating birds. So we are going to talk about light pollution, all, And I think it's an awful shame... <laughs> That's what I think about light pollution. Awfully, awful, awful shame. Primarily for selfish reasons, because I love looking at the stars, right? Isn't it nice to be in a place or in a time when you can see the stars? And doesn't it make you come over all, ah, oh, the universe is lovely and we're just meaningless specks of dust in a universe full of love? And doesn't it make you want to cry? One time I was a bit drunk on holiday, looked up at the stars with Philosophy Dave, and I cried. How many friends of yours are called Dave? That's not so. That's not a big Dave, is it? No, that's philosophy, Dave. We worked it out once. We could field a Dave Eleven. <laughs> like if bloody Galileo, whatever his name is, if he hadn't been, if he'd grown up now, he wouldn't have got interested in stars in the first place because he wouldn't have been able to see him, would he? Well, not if he'd grown up in you know densely populated south of England where we are. Um, yeah, there are bits. Uh, yeah, gap year old saw some pretty bloody good stars um, in that mm. there Zambia. That was good. Um, gap year. You and your gap year. Gap year roll. Uh, Pang, pangolin wangler. Yeah, I know. It's ahead of my time, though. It's the most trafficked animal in the world, and um, I was doing a tidy little <laughs> trade. Uh, and also <laughs> France, rural France, where I like going on the summer holidays quite a lot. Uh, that That's is such good. Such a cliche. You are such a cliche. I know I am. You're aware of that, aren't you? You're aware I, of that, I'm, right? I'm absolutely 100% aware of that. I, li- I literally go to, as Del Boy would call it, the Dordoin. Oh, Bane Marie. Bane Marie. <laughs> That's the person who wrote to us and said, I can't tell which one's Dave and which one is Ol from your picture. The one that is Ol is the one that looks exactly like you would think Ol would look. <laughs> he's, he's every bit as obvious as it appears, basically. Subtlety has never been a big forte of mine, it must be said. Um, yes, look, France, uh, middle of France uh, is good for... Good for looking at stars. Less good if you're like a duck um, and you get force fed until you become foie gras, that sort of thing. Um, but it's very good Can if you want ducks look to... up? Huh? Can ducks look up? Yeah, when you force feed a duck, what you do is you, oh. you put their neck right up and shove a tube right down it. So, you know, every cloud is what I'm saying. <laughs> On the one hand, you're being fed until you explode with um, yeah. something bad. On the other hand... You can see the Milky Way, so, you know. The other thing about light pollution, I mean, I love, like, science fiction and stuff like that. I bloody love space. Don't you think it's amazing that there are, like, great balls of fire out there, Ol? Goodness like, gracious. massive, massive, very good, glumping great shitloads of stars and like not only can we see them but we worked out that they are great balls of fire I just think that's pretty an impressive thing it is amazing it is, I, 
Wonder. I 100% agree. Space. Also, it, it's very, very good for a sensor's perspective, isn't it? Like, and it, Which, yes. I suppose, is not unrelated to why our crappy night skies, our light pollution, is, is, is quite bad for us. Because, actually, it's really healthy to be able to look up and go, hmm... I'm looking at something which is so far away that it doesn't currently exist, but the light is taking so long to get to me that it still looks as if it does exist. Like things like that make you realise that you know not being able you to get yeah. my Chromecast to work is possibly not the world's biggest problem. So if light pollution is being reduced, as CPRE claim, that's a good thing. So maybe we should have a look at whether that is the case and what causes it and whether or not if it is being reduced, it's being reduced on purpose and whether it matters whether it's being reduced on purpose or not. Should we do that, Hull? Yes, let's do that. Right. What is it? <laughs> what is what? Light pollution. Light pollution. Oh, what? Uh, there was if a you pre- see what I mean, yeah. is it? You found this. You found there. Where's the? Where's, hang on. This prep found dog, even by your standards, is large. Uh, so I'm going to have to do a little word um, search. There we go. Definition: When organisms are exposed to light in the wrong place at the wrong time or at the wrong intensity. Hmm. Good definition, that. Right. So it's light where it shouldn't ought to be as far as the things that live around that light are concerned. That's light pollution. In the same way as like water pollution is not the stuff itself, but like the stuff being in the water at a problematic level is pollution, right? Yes, I suppose so. Yes. Like water pollution, say you put oil in some water, that's water pollution, but oil is not water pollution. And like the teeny tiniest little bit of oil is not water pollution. It's okay, just like yeah, yeah, all right, yes, fine. yeah. And it's, the same way, so light, yeah. light itself is not the problem. It's too much of it, or in the wrong place, or nausing up a bat. Yeah. So you can imagine a sort of um, male on Sunday contrarian saying, "Well, if light, light pollution is so bad, what do you think about the sun?" And you'd be like, "Well, no, because the sun." It's supposed to light things up during the daytime, isn't it? And then, you know, at, at night time when the sun sets. And just so you know, it isn't actually the sun setting, mail on Sunday, but let's not oh get boy. into that. Um, yeah, yes, exactly. Light in the wrong place at the wrong time yeah. or at the wrong, wrong intensity. So having a, a tiny bit of light. For instance, the night sky is, of course, not completely dark because the stars light it up. The moon lights it up if there is a full moon, particularly. Um, well, the point of order, the moon doesn't have any light, of course. The moon is reflecting the sun, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. Yes, so the moon doesn't light it up. Well, it, the moon is lighting up the night sky because light well, is reflecting off the moon. Well, not really. Like if, if you have a light bulb on in your shed and then you have a mirror that's reflecting that light bulb, what's the thing that's doing the lighting, the light or the mirror? The mirror. No, it's the light. So you're saying you want to tell me, in all seriousness, that the sun is illuminating the night sky? Yes. So next time there's yes, a full moon, is... you're going to look up there and say, oh, look at that full sun. What a lovely full sun. Well, next time someone's behaving a bit weirdly, you're going to go, oh, it must be a full sun tonight. I'm going to have to science the shit out of this. Don't get on your high horse about slagging off the mail on Sunday about science. If you get science wrong, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> right. Good. Shut up and listen. 83% apparently of the world's people live under 
light polluted skies. And that's defined by the organization. I think the first organization that campaigned on this stuff still going, you might have heard of them called the International Dark Sky Association. And by their definition, 99% of people in USA and Europe live under light polluted skies. Now, can that really be right? What do you think they mean by that? Well, yes, I got thinking about this. And at first I said that can't be right because to take America, for instance, Vast swathes of America are very, very rural, countryside Not people, not many people living there. Can't be much mm. industry, can't be much light. And then I was like, well, maybe what they mean actually is that 99% of people live in those places, live with electrified lighting of some description. Like, So even if you are in the middle of nowhere, you're probably going to have a street light or some buildings around that have lights on and therefore you're sky won't be very well uh won't be very clear um i I guess that's what they mean because i think it can't just be that like the pollution from big cities is so intense that it reaches even the most remote places because i don't think that's true i think pollution from big cities goes a long way but only like sort of you know 250 kilometers type things what i read so yeah and there's like in the uk there are four places i think on you know, five five places in the uk which the international dark sky association says is like have dark skies but they don't call them and that is places none of these i don't think of oh, no, i've been to one of them uh, that is the elan valley estate in wales been there where that is brecon beacons national park where i have been i've been in there wales. Oh, yeah. i camped i camped in uh on my own in brecon beacons national park on eels did you on eels? On the, no, I went on on heels. On heels. Oh. <laughs> on heels. <laughs> camped on eels. Uh, heels. Hills. Hills. For some reason, hills. I was saying hills. hills like that. Hills. Some confuse me. Exmoor, which is a lovely place. Been there. The Galloway camped Forest well. Park in Scotland. Oh, shut up. The Galloway Forest Park in Scotland. Uh, I think I might have been there, but didn't know I was there. And a place that you and I have not been, but I think we both want to go to, which is Kielder. It's yes. the most famous dark sky place in North Humberland. But yep. but notably, uh, and these are places where like you can get the best view in the UK of the Milky Way and stuff. It's like the darkest skies that you're going to get. And they are pretty bloody dark, but even they are not officially defined as a dark sky sanctuary by the International Dark Sky Association, which is basically like the most pristine places. So even they apparently have some light pollution in them. Well, I'm not surprised because the UK is small and there are lots of people in it. So even the bits that are darkest, you're just not going to be far enough away from big sources of light are you so i'm not massively surprised no. by that um yeah i'd love to go to kilda we will do uh for, for babble 500 um we will <laughs> gosh that sounds like either some sort of sort of indie car thing or a horrible horrible kind of <laughs> you know what i mean don't you so what causes it oh what what basically is it i'll tell you what causes it all <laughs> Five things is what causes light pollution. And we're talking about all sorts of stuff here. Like we're, we're not just talking about the, you know, the kind of orangey glow in the sky, which you, which you get in cities and near cities. That's called sky glow, which is rather a nice word. We're not just talking about that. We're just talking about kind of things like where light is distracting your eyes because it's kind of around the place. Um, there is glare and these sort of things, direct glare, indirect glare, light trespass. All of these light different trespass. things, light trespass. Well, that's like light trespasses, for example, when you're in bed trying to get some sleep and you've got like your curtains closed, but yet there is light coming through the little bits of your curtains and, and keeping you awake. That's light pollution. I tell, you, I, I tell you all about that because I saw a 
fantastic presentation by a wonderful campaigner whose name I've momentarily forgot the other day, who great. has had a one of those galumphing great electronic uh, advertising billboards installed on the other side of the street to their flat in that they're barking and agonum. And it, despite it being in a fairly unuseful place in terms of like the driver's um, it's supposed to be advertising to it beams directly into her front room uh, oh, and wow. uh, causes her untold distress uh, and she was running a rather brilliant campaign about it uh, every time she sees for instance Sainsbury's running an advert on it she gets in touch with their social media people and say uh, this is ruining my life Sainsbury's did you mean to be advertising on this billboard which undemocratically got put on the only tiny bit of green space available around here and blah 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 and they have all been pulling their adverts because they're like oh no sorry we didn't we didn't think that was what we were doing so quite a good campaigning wish I could remember her name well what you're going to do while you're going to send me a little voicemail with who the person's name is and I shall edit it in here hello all here look I have sifted through the recycling and found the program from the conference that I was at and found that it was Julia Williams who was giving the frankly superb presentation about billboards uh, digital billboards bright beaming lights of consumerism being pumped straight into her front room uh, so yes go and check her out she is running a one-woman campaign against the bastards against the man uh, she's on Twitter but I can't remember her handle. Um, Julia Williams, that's her name. Bye! Right, five things cause light pollution. Basically, firstly, we are not cats, so we can't we see in the dark. We are not cats! We're not the cats, God, we can't see insight. in the dark. <laughs> the insight <laughs> levels are off the chart. Christ, so we can't see in the dark, so we have to light the dark up. This is the essential problem here, right? Um, if you, as soon as Welcome humans wanted to, to do something... Welcome to 4000 BC, where we've just discovered that we're not cats and we can't see in the dark. Right, so basically, th- problem number one, we light stuff up. Like, the existence of it is a problem. We do that artificially or we do it with, like, you know, fire, but we do it, right? Thing number two is we light too much stuff. So we light things we don't really need to be lighting. Like, there's a lot of unnecessary outdoor lights going on. Like that oh. advertising billboard, for instance. Like but also advertising office, billboards? offices that are lit at night and things like that, yeah. Yeah, and, and, like, things that are lit up but are just far, like, twice as many light bulbs on it than need to be on it. Or things where roads that no one is driving down, that that now, you know, you have the technology now to sort of make lights come on as people go down them, but instead of that, just on the whole time. Now, important thing, and there's actually been a bit of hoo-ha about this in the media of late, as you may have noticed, with that Samsung pulling that advert that was... Uh, all about a woman running at night. Uh, about yes. This? Yeah, so they yeah. had an advert. Running on her own at 2am or something, wasn't it? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And a big backlash to it, basically going, look, it'd be lovely if women could do that, but they can't. So don't be, don't be showing that. So look, important, the babble is not suggesting don't light up the night, right? That's not what we're saying. Safety is important, but anyone would be able to see there is more lighting going on than needs to be. Yes. Completely agree. Um, the other thing is that we don't do it very efficiently, although I think we are getting a bit better. But, yeah. you know, streetlights used to light an awful lot of stuff that they weren't intending to light. I think it's getting a little bit better, but it is still, um, as you pointed out, you know, lighting up, for instance, tarmac, which is reflecty, and therefore the light yeah. bounces out and off into the sky. Uh, so, yes, it's a bit like when Mrs. Old tries to 
get some sleep while I bum, bundle into bed at one in the morning and decide then would be a good time to do some reading. And I light the entire room, but also my book. So, you know, it's justified. <laughs> Will you two shut up? People are trying to sleep. The final and the final thing is, of course, there's like more and more people, more and more building, more and more stuff. So like more, more things to light. Now, you can have an argument with David Attenborough about whether or not more people is a problem. You seem to think it's all fine. Some of the light pollution people say, well, your problem here is more and more people, more and more light. That is bad. I'm not going to argue with David Attenborough today, I don't think. Once, once has he been a, in touch? Well, you know, his lawyer. We did have, extend the panda lawyer. babble friendship to him last week, and he hasn't yet. He hasn't yet emailed. Oh, maybe he's in the spam. I'll check. Hello there. My name is Crichton Two X Four B Five Two Three P. Such a jerky middle name, and you are listening to Sustainababble. Right, now look, look. Yes, We've good. talked about what it is, why it happens. What we haven't talked about is why is it bad. Why is it bad why that it things bad? are well lit? You know, doesn't it just mean we can see more and the animals can see where they're going? All these millennia, they've had to struggle with not being able to see where they're going at night. And thanks to us humans, well, now it. you what? can see where you're going. You want to go to Sainsbury's? It's over there, Bat. There are cats being born right now in Britain today who have evolutionary quirks that mean they can't see in the dark. Now, in the old days, those cats would have been ate by a fox, but now they're safe because we've lit everything up. So we are helping the evolution of cats. How about that, Al? Absolutely. And that is almost exactly what all of the research shows with <laughs> one or two tiny exceptions. Points of minor detail. Yes. yes. Okay, all right. Um, Good. Yes, it gnaws up. Um, and you can talk about all of this, but uh, it gnaws up basically animals, insects, ecosystems, us, and, oh, that'll do, won't it? Everything in a yes. nutshell. Oh, and trees, but I didn't really look into that enough. But I was yes. just looking at that header with absolutely nothing underneath it, thinking one of us should have put something underneath that. Yeah. It gnaws up trees, but we haven't looked into that. Okay. So there we are. But I, yes. I really like this quote you found by uh, somebody called Christopher Kyber, who is apparently an expert on light pollution. And they say, the introduction of artificial light probably represents the most drastic change human beings have made to a nocturnal animals' environment. Uh, predators use light to hunt and prey species use darkness as cover. We are only beginning to learn what a drastic effect this has on nocturnal ecology. And I suppose that yes. stands to reason, doesn't it? Because we are undoubtedly much better informed about animals and stuff, what do things during the day, for the fairly obvious reason that it's easier to study them. Now, obviously, technology is improving, blah, 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 but, you know, still. Yeah, example, and there are a lot of examples, but a, an example about which people are particularly worried is bat. Have we ever done a babble on bat? I don't think we have. I mean, I we looked into so. bats. Have you looked into a bat? <laughs> They're quite small, aren't they? I wouldn't say it's very easy mm. to look into them. Um, I just had it in my head that bat was like street terminology for a really kind of silly drug. And it's like, have we ever done a babble on bat? No, 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 I don't think so. <laughs> no, just horse. Um, <laughs> bats are getting nosed by light pollution in a couple of ways. We'll talk about one of them in a minute. But the, the other one is that bats, are, like, loads of bats are just averse to light. Like if you shine a light on a bat nest, 
loads of bats won't come out of it. Not all bats, some bats are different, but like little brown bats and big brown bats are really pissed off about light pollution. And or <laughs> if they do come out, they will like they'll avoid they'll fly in different ways to avoid the streetlights and things like that, which like makes them more tired or more likely to go places they wouldn't ordinarily be. Um, which affects also where they drop the seeds and stuff that they hold. So it affects ecosystems in that kind of way. But yeah, like it's really bad for bats. So there's that. And there is also that what the bats eat. Oh. Well, the bats eat uh, yeah. fruit, insects. Insects. That's the answer yeah, I was well, looking well, for. Fruit. <laughs> yeah. fruit bats yes. eat fruit, and don't they? Cr- specifically cricket. Bats. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, so and and now we have talked. In fact, there's been stuff in the news about this again recently. But we talked back in episode 92, the old freakout special about all the insects being nosed. And one of the things, along with um, like everything else that is nosing up uh, insects, is light. Too much light, artificial light. We did talk about this back in episode 92. Um, like in different ways, like they they either just get attracted by artificial lights and just kind of like go, ooh, that's amazing, that's the centre of the universe until they die, or they get they should be in place A, but the light makes them go to place B, and there's no food in place B, so they die, or uh, they go over to place B where the light is, and what they should be doing is having a shag in place A, where you know the other insect is going, come on, have sex with me, but because they're in place B, they don't have a shag, and so the entire population dies and it just confuses insects as well like you know they're like right brilliant i'm going to follow the sun now or the moon or whatever the hell we agreed it was at night time um and they they go well i'm i'm confused i know what's going on i'm all upset in the same way as all would get confused if someone was in the kitchen with a bag of chips but then whenever you went to actually get the chips they were just illusory please sir i want some more didn't you say in your research that um, people say, oh, hang on a minute, why don't bats just go to where all the insects are? If the, if the insects are all crowding around the light, then yeah. bat go to light. And surely that's, you know, that is winning the lottery for a bat because you've got all of the insects in one place. So shouldn't bats be grateful that we've lit up everything like a candle? Yes. But as discussed, bats don't go in the light. And the reason being, oh, they get nosed if they go in the light. Because they well, are. they're wrong though, aren't they? Because there's a massive meal waiting for them. Yes, but then they become a massive meal because they are lit up. Uh, so if you are, this is all fine. You're quite right. If what we're talking about is a time scale of a million years, but we're not, yes. are we? Like the bat doesn't have time to evolve some evasive maneuvers. Like bat is just like, well, I don't go near the light. But the problem is, there's insects near that light. So it's just nausing everything up, okay. basically. Right. All right. Well, look. Now there is a villain at the centre of all this. There is a, there is a single villain. And that villain is Alan. Aha! Alan can alter the navigation and orientation of nocturnally migrating birds, Dave. Alan is, in fact, artificial light at night. A-L-A-N. Alan. Should we call this episode Alan? Perhaps we should. Um, yes, and birds are getting well and truly nosed by artificial light at night, or Alan, uh, mainly because, like insects, they're drawn to it. But unlike insects, they're not drawn to like you know a single street lamp. They are drawn to enormous cities glowing like a beacon that 
look a bit like the sun or the moon, whichever we said it was. Um, and also individual buildings. And in a bird splatting into buildings is a prodigiously Splatter. big problem uh, for birds who are dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? So nothing. nothing about that was untrue. No. Um, As you were, carry on. Thank you. Uh, apparently in the northeast... Was the word splat necessary? Sorry, yes. The correct term is twatting into buildings, <laughs> uh, upon which they die in a very deadifying way. Oh, this isn't good. We shouldn't be laughing about this. If Well, wait, there's more. Um, oh. Yeah. Now, in America, where most research has been done on all of this, so it's a bit uh, America heavy... Um, between 100 million and 1 billion birds each year what? Uh, fatally crash into buildings. That's a billion a birds. A billion. A billion. I, I read some truly gruesome articles, including uh, this one here. Where, yeah, that's right. There's one building in Texas where like 400 migratory birds were killed one night. Just one night. Um, and there's various places, like, obviously, must be right smack bang in the middle. Oh, it's really disgusting to look at, actually. Um, or rather upsetting to look at, the collection of these birds. But yeah, single buildings can be hugely, hugely deathly um, to migratory birds. And again, this is about migration, right? This is in the autumn and in the spring right. when birds are on the move um, and they twat into buildings. But why don't they see the buildings? They do Massive see the buildings. That's oh. the problem. Um, and they are, they are... Oh, they think it's the sun. Well, this appears to be a thing because, as mentioned earlier, the, the night sky is, of course, not dark. There are stars and moon slash sun um, and also the setting actual sun, um, all of which are things that birds use to navigate when they're migrating. So, you know, oh, look, you know, bright bit of sky over there. That's constellation, what not. And that means we're heading in the right direction. Or, oh, look, sun setting over there. That way's west. Jolly good. Carry on that way. Um, now, what happens is that big cities produce such a glow that um, they completely mess with their navigation and their orientation. They also seem to sort of suck them in. And this is the bit that scientists are not really clear on. Like, they get that it's, you know, it's adding a a, an element of confusion to their points of orientation in the sky but they don't really understand why they all then fly to these cities and there are lots of studies which show that if you have even on the scale of like just a backyard which is lit versus a backyard which isn't lit uh, in the same basic place under the same migratory route many more birds um, will come over the uh, the lit backyard than the not lit backyard and a greater diversity of birds and they don't they don't really understand why that is bring those birds together and all work as one and that's cooperation is this where is this where flap comes in ah now are you uh <laughs> you say you're a flap fan Dave? i'm a massive fan of flap are you Okay. Yes. Well, me too. Um, this is a rather superb organisation, which I wasn't previously aware of. Uh, based in Canada, uh, find link. Uh, by, well, like, the link is flap.org. That's the one. <laughs> Flap Canada. Here we go. Google, Google carefully, everyone. I suggest you don't Google. I think you should just put flap.org in 
and <laughs> there no no mistakes will be made. Uh now look. Um I have to confess the moment I saw their logo was 5 minutes before I regained the power of speech. <laughs> because anyone who's seen this is quite superb. Anyone who's seen Monty Python I think will know what I'm kind of getting at here but it's it's a bird on its back with its legs in the air and there was just something very literal about that that, that tickled me um, we're an organisation which is trying to pretend, uh, prevent birds getting dead our logo is of dead bird um, <laughs> sorry Flap you're doing amazing stuff and I know you're I know you're very serious and stuff I think it's superb. I'm all up for I'm all up for very very literal very literal logos. I think it's fantastic. Like it'd be great if have a, had a literal logo of like a massive collecting tin. Ah, oh, right. Obviously anyway, not putting that in. No, no, that's not going in. <laughs> Crikey. Now you're getting nasty. Uh, now look, Flap are trying to help um, birds not collide with buildings. Basically, what does it actually stand for? What does it bloody stand about us? About us. Come on, Flap. Oh, Fatal Light Awareness Programme. There you go. Oh, sounds a bit more um, um, grown up than Flap has sounded until now. Yes. Uh, now, the uh, Redstone uh, Canadian charity, widely recognised as the preeminent authority on the bird building collision issue. Uh, so there you go. Anyway. The bird building collision issue. Yeah. Birds colliding with buildings. Why don't you people speak properly? <laughs> Why don't people speak properly anymore, Oh. Well, I don't think I'm I'm able to pronounce on that. Um, yes, look, and go on their website. They've got lots of good things that you can do if you were worried about uh, or indeed have experience of birds twatting into your house or cottage or flat or anything. Um, and yeah, some good do's or don't. Uh, they reckon that in addition to buildings just kind of uh, cities rather just drawing in loads of birds on their migrations there are some species that are more likely to collide with buildings than others um, and basically it's the ones that make a lot of noise um, so some what? some <laughs> yeah I think it's this sort of noise oh this is I mean I'm okay we're gonna have to stop being glib about this in a minute all right well we're talking about a very bad set of things I know but I know Anyway, it's not. I'm sorry. Do you think it's you could, not take good? What, do you... I know it's not good. I, you know, I really, really like the idea of animals being alive and there being more animals than there are now, except pandas oh. and grey squirrels. Death to pandas. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, Chris Packham agreed with me on that, by the way. So there you go. Yeah, well, um, it's controversial. But look, yes, sorry, we are being a bit clear, um, and we will stop now. This is going to be the last time. Um, some birds, when they're migrating, make a lot of noise. Uh, they think to kind of as a way of communicating with the other birds, right? Um, and it seems to be those ones uh, that are disproportionately twatting into buildings. And they're not really sure why, but they think possibly that uh, it's the noisy ones essentially going, oh no, something's wrong. I'm confused when they're like drawn in towards these cities. And all the others are like, Oh, Brenda, what's the matter? Don't worry, we'll come and help you. And so this kind of slightly awful oh, thing where like pr problem experienced by one bird rapidly becomes problem experienced by all of that bird's mates. Yeah.
Yo, listen up, here's the story about a little guy that lives in a blue world and all day and all Yeah, and the other thing we haven't really talked about, haven't really got time to talk about, is like the impacts on us humans artificial light can affect human health according to the international dark sky association increasing the risk of obesity depression sleep disorders etc etc hey. all to do with the circadian rhythm obesity yeah well it's just, well go and read if you haven't you must read why we sleep by matthew walker which is no, a I'm book terrified that radicalizes you i'm terrified radicalizes of that you know yeah. how bad my sleep hygiene is and i yes. so many people have said you should read that and i'm like no 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 <laughs> If I read that, I will realise how I've already set the die for like early yeah. onset dementia and a whole load of other things because I just refuse to go to bed. It is a radicalising book. It makes you try and get eight hours every night. And honestly, it's a, it is a, a wonderful book. I recommend it. But basically because you are getting less sleep because of artificial light and those things happen when you regularly get less sleep. So that's basically what it is. Circadian rhythm, all okay. Circadian rhythms. We are essentially gnats. We too are governed by light, which is why you should not look at screens and things, or at least not screens that don't have like a nice nighttime mode on them before coming to bed, all because your brain goes, ooh, there's some blue light. That's nice. Blue light is what comes off in the morning. Therefore, I'm awake. Yeah. So that's what's happening. Things that tell your body to go to sleep are, one, being tired, and two, what it's like outside. Um, if it's dark outside, body thinks go to sleep. So if you're coming back from a night shift, nine in the morning, you're knackered, so body's going go to sleep, but the sun is up, blah, 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 so body's going don't go to sleep, all gets confused, not good for health. So how come when you're tired, you don't go to bed, but you stay up till three in the morning listening to obscure music? I don't really understand that, because I don't, I don't fall asleep as much as by rights I should, like, no. you know, in the chair or something. There's something about stubbornness, I think. I just, I just refuse to give in to tiredness. Up your sleep. Yeah, yeah definitely don't read this uh, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker then. Okay. Or you might actually go to bed at a decent time like uh, a normal person. Do you know why I really don't go to sleep? The actual reason is I'm always scared of the next day. Oh, love. Really? If I, if I stay up, then it isn't yet tomorrow. And the things that I invariably haven't done are not yet, you know, right in front of me. That might be one of the saddest deepest and most worrying things you've ever said and we're going to talk about that off air <laughs> but come here have a have a cyber hug <laughs> right what's to be done what's to be done about it all what is to be done tell you what actually here's a thing I discovered in the process of researching this here babble, it's a hell of a thing when you discover this. There's an entire United Nations convention on this stuff. Well, at least mm. partially on this stuff. There's a United Nations convention on the migratory species of wild animals, which came into force in 1979, like when I was 25, right? <laughs> which, and it's got, it's got 133 signatories to it. In 2020, it adopted six principles. This is a thing like, you know, the climate thing. It's like, a, you know, like the Paris Agreement and all of that stuff and the Glasgow Convention or whatever it's called. Like there was a, a, a international agreement on things not nausing up migratory species. And they've got principles for reducing light pollution, none of which are particularly like, you know, at the principles level, earth shaking. They're things like do less light pollution mm. and get better at measuring light pollution and understand what you're nausing when you pollute the light. See if a um, thing that you're building 
actually needs all that light, and if it doesn't, don't light it. Yeah, I mean, which are which are good things, but then there is beneath that a bloody sodding massive technical load of technical guidelines stuff. Like we can't remotely oh. do it justice here now. But there's there's loads and loads. Like the, the point of it being not that I'm going to canter through any of it, but there are if you are a lighting professional, and there is you know, I spent quite a long time in preparation for this episode on the website of the I think they're called the Association of Lighting Professionals, who take light pollution very seriously as an association because you know their job is to light things, not to accidentally light other things. So there like, there are all oh. sorts of technical things you can do. Right, there is no to reduce it, not to eliminate it, and we'll come to that, but to reduce it. Things like to make sure the lights go off when they're not needed um, and use like LED light bulbs rather than the old light bulbs. And that is a thing around here. They did the light bulbs about the street lights about five years ago, and it has made a difference, honestly. Like, That's good. Yeah, yeah. The streets, the streets themselves are better lit, so like good lighting, but the light goes much more goes down rather than all around, if you start me. There is, like my brother said to me a while ago, a thing which stuck with me, which is like one of the things which is so depressing about us teetering on the edge of complete catastrophe. Is one that, of the things, yeah. One of the things. Is that it feels like we're quite close as a, as a species to getting ourselves quite well organised. Like, mm. we're... Like, <laughs> mm. we're, qu- we're sort of on the cusp of being able to do most of the things we need to do quite well. Um, and that sounds like one of those. Like you can imagine that technology will get to the stage where we can light things that need lighting without screwing up the birds. But by then, there won't be any birds left. So, or indeed us, or indeed us left. Um, life, don't talk to me about life. Turn lights off, basically. Like, and I'm not being glib. That is, there really isn't anything more complicated to it than that. Um, outdoor lighting is is a big no-no, really. Basically, don't have lights on in your outside bits of your homes is a very clear bit of advice from Flap and others. Because um, you've got insects in your garden, right? This is not a global, just a global problem, right? There are insects. You will yeah. lose yourself if you have lights you don't need to have, right? Exactly. One of the, one of the most profound things that I remember mm. finding out oh, about, about the hump. Bubble, bubble cave falling down, bubble cave oh, falling God. down. It looks like you're in an earthquake. Bubble K falling down. Oh no. What have you done? Are we there? The Bubble Cave is actually just several piles of books and they're falling on me. How has this happened? Like seven years ago when we started, my setup was quite Heath Robinson, involving, yeah. as as you well remember, a coat hanger and a pair of tights. Uh yeah. why why have you regressed like this? It works, doesn't it? Yes. Until but, it falls down. Okay. Shut up, you're the one who's Babble thing is held on by gaffer tape yes. still. And it's fine. Anyway, look, what was I saying? Yes, profound thing I discovered, uh, I think possibly off a David Attenborough documentary, was that dung beetles use the Milky Way to navigate. So when they're rolling their piles of dung around, they are using the light from the Milky Way to guide them uh, the right way. So, well, As if life wasn't shit enough, I'll... <laughs> so yes, just I suppose that goes to illustrate that the tiniest amount of light Getting in the way of Milky Way would presumably be a problem for a little insect in the back garden. So turn your lights off. Turn your lights off is basically the uh, the only meaningful bit of advice. According to, so the UN Convention disagrees in broad terms with the findings of the Campaign to Protect Rural England, now known as the CPRE, Countryside Charity mm. thing. Um, basically says, no, the 
amount of light pollution, the amount of artificially lit outdoor areas is increasing. The most recent figures they have. Like, admittedly, those figures are only up to 2016, but you know they state in their like legal thing that everyone signed up to, given that light pollution is increasing at two percent a year. So, if if CPRE are correct, like they're not in the scheme of things, we're not exactly smashing this problem. I can, I can, yes, I can well believe that. Um, doesn't it depress you though that presumably a lot of clever people and very dedicated people have worked very, very hard? on getting like a UN convention yeah, that it. has been in existence for 43 years now mm. and we'd never heard of it and it is clearly not having any meaningful impact. Uh, well, well, I, mean, I, I can't say that with certainty actually. I suppose it could be a lot worse. Maybe they have made it slightly less shit, but I don't know. No, but I mean, that's, that is a profoundly unfair thing to say, right? For a couple of reasons, because no, no UN convention needs to tell the babble what it's up to. Like, if it's going off and doing its thing, then that's fine. And as oh, far no, as you know, no, I, this UN okay. convention didn't... Okay, but as far as you know, more pertinently, this thing has made a massive difference, right? Because what would it be like if countries hadn't done this stuff? Like, there are a huge amount of things that countries are trying to do. I'm not sure... Mm, yeah, okay. It's just that in the scheme of things, there is still light pollution. I'm not sure. I cannot. I cannot believe that... When, you know, for instance, massive distribution centre wants to be built somewhere that like how well lit it is and whether it's going to be disturbing any nearby gnats is actually a consideration of those developers. And obviously, go back to your campaigner person you were talking about. Obviously, it's not that important to deciding what happens to people's actual lives. Yeah, fair enough, obviously. This is one of those things that is so big and so intimately part of loads of other stuff that is more immediately problematic that I don't think I've got the energy to get that upset about it. Like, I'm not surprised that a UN convention that's been going for 43 years hasn't really made a difference about it because, like, what affects light pollution is the sheer number of built things, the sheer amount of light and capitalism and us not being cats. And that's quite hard to fix in and of itself like there are technological things you can do but it's not right at the top of list of things i've learned about for the babble that i go it's not like artificial lawns when you learn about that and you go stop that immediately now that's absolutely awful this is a thing that's like yes it should be stopped but you can't stop it like that yeah i think i'm with you on that incidentally uh one of the babble listeners who's uh name i've now forgotten because my brain is a sieve um has been walking alongside artificial lawns and blowing dandelion seeds onto them which i find very isn't that a waste of dandelions well i I presume uh i presume it doesn't work maybe they find maybe they don't need much to grow i don't know um yeah it's i don't know i have seen i've seen tele programs about all this particularly like places near beaches where turtles breed and they're all lit up and it's nausing them up and you're like oh god you know as if these species haven't got enough to contend with and it does make me quite cross um but i i do feel and this might just be through naivety i feel probably more optimistic that we will sort this out or at least curb it being terrible um kind of more quickly and more effectively than a lot of other problems because it just it just feels like te- the technological solutions are probably relatively easy um and you know using less energy will be very very popular as things carry on like this so you know i yes kind of blind optimism basically ironically Three, five, nine, two, juice. Sun, sun, 
Right, that is just about it for this episode of Babble. Thank you very, very much to the organisation formerly known as the Campaign to Protect Rural England, now known uh, as CPRE, the Countryside Charity, uh, for sending through that Not Science and making us talk about this for a week. It was very good fun. Thank you, Dave, for babbling. Thank you for finding out about all the light and stuff. Uh, thank you to Dickie Moore for doing the music that begins, ends and twinkles this podcast. Uh, and to Arthur Stovall, who does Logal, which is on T-shirts and stuff that you can buy from our website at wubblywubblywubbly.sustainababble.fush. You can get in touch with us and you can tell us what you thought of the show. We are on the Twitter at The Babble Wagon. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Sustainababble or drop us an email to hello or indeed anything at sustainababble.fish. Really? And, really? Yes, yes. Really? And if you like uh, what you hear and you want to support it, you can do that with your dosh at wubblywubbly.patreon.com slash sustainababble. Please do that. Please chip in for the running costs of this esteemed organ. Or if you can't or won't do that, and we understand not everybody can, you can please at the very least leave us a review on your podcast medium of choice let's face it we mean apple podcasts five stars write something with your hands also all i wanted to say a massive thank you to babble listener madeline postman which is a good name isn't it who listens to our last episode about david attenborough and said we want to talk about a thing called the climate shadow which is a very interesting thing it's like the opposite of the argument that goes all oh, bloody environmental campaigners shouldn't be flying to climate conferences and stuff it's actually the idea of well how much do you you need to factor into anyone's carbon footprint the impact that they have on like global consciousness and stuff the climate shadow that um, professor Catherine hayhoe very much mentioned in the interview we did with her that climate shadow right should we go <laughs> I'm the one who doesn't listen to our episodes. How do I remember that? And you're not you. Bye. Bye. Right, so we hope you enjoyed that there, Babble. And before you go, here's a little trailer for another podcast that we think you might like. And don't worry, it's not Dave. This is We The Power, a podcast from Patagonia all about community energy with me, Lucy Siegel. So we're back. This is the first episode of a brand new season of We The Power. We always wanted to say more about community energy because you had so many more questions. Then a few things happened. In a nutshell, the issue of how we get our energy and the impact of that could not be more critical. So in this brand new episode, Ukrainian environmental lawyer and climate activist Svetlana Romanka and Bill McKibben, the venerated climate activist, will explain just what is at stake. Right now, fossil fuels are powering the war in Ukraine. There's an intensifying energy crisis across Europe and the chance to address the climate crisis is slipping away. To put it simply, community energy is part of the fix and we need it now.